Good afternoon. Thank you once again for joining me. Julian Campbell here. We've got another exciting show lined up for you this week. But later in the program, we're going to be talking with Christina Sikiotis with our Minute on Innovation. We're going to be looking at the importance of teamwork and collaboration to that innovation. We're also talking with Tony Vidray from AV Chartered Accountants about is all income taxable? But right now, we're going to have a chat with John Woodward from Turnbull Hill Lawyers about uh, federal litigation initiatives. Good afternoon, John. Good afternoon, Julian. How are you? I'm very well, and thank you once again for joining us. You're welcome. So um, we've got some new initiatives coming in there from the federal government. Why did they bring in these new initiatives? Um, all right. Look, the background to this, um, Julian, is is really that there has been, for some time now, a, a justified concern among business people and in the broader community, really, about... Um, the escalating costs and time involved in in taking disputes through the court system. It's a stressful thing at the best of times, of course, and and mm. um, it's it's um, um, and costly. That can be avoided and costly and very costly. And that's in fact, it's become prohibitively costly, and and uh, the community is not any longer prepared simply to sit back and and um, um, and wait. Um, so what the the government has done is to introduce some legislation called the Civil Dispute Resolution Act, um, which applies to uh, all litigation, with some exceptions, um, in the in federal courts of um, Australia, the federal court, and then the federal magistrates' court, and um, other federal jurisdictions, where um, people are required before they commence an action um, in litigation to explore alternative possibilities for getting the dispute resolved. And how that's done is that um, the, the Act requires that, that people take what they call genuine steps um, to resolve uh, their disputes and that they certify to the court before they commence their case um, that they have attempted to resolve it in that way. So, so what are these steps that they're required to take? Is it involved with mediation? Um, it does include um, mediation. The steps themselves are not actually um, defined in the Act, but what, what the legislation does is to um, give some examples of what appropriate steps might be, and they include things like notifying the person with whom you're in dispute um, that there is a dispute and uh, exploring uh, with that person, uh, some options for how the issues might be resolved, um, or if you're on the receiving end of one of those notifications, then responding appropriately to it. Um, it includes things like providing relevant information and documents to the other party to the dispute to enable them to understand the issues and, and how it might be resolved. And then, of course, as you've already mentioned, there's um, taking up any suggestion or making a suggestion that... Uh, these things might be resolved by negotiation or mediation or, or one of the other alternative dispute resolution mechanisms that uh, are now becoming are now available and becoming popular, actually. Um, and if, if one of those processes is not successful in achieving a resolution, then um, you should persevere and, and uh, perhaps try something else. Um, there's also uh, an overriding requirement to attempt to negotiate with or without the assistance of some other um, authorised intermediary. Now, the, the upshot of all this is, is to try to just keep people away from the courts and, and get them to more appropriate forums in which they can get these things resolved. There's a concern among the community that 
what courts really do is not um, to resolve disputes so much as to simply make a determination about them so that you just get into a winner-loser situation. Whereas people who who do um, get into alternative dispute resolution, uh, resolution are able to try some more innovative ways that might help them to resolve things and maintain their business relationships. So I suppose it's, uh, it's obviously designed to to cut down the court waiting times and, and the costs involved there, but uh, I, can, it, can it be done in like in like just in the solicitor's office? Is that how it would be done? Well, it can be done in yeah. that way. Um, I mean, the, 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 the beauty of, of, um, of this regime is that it is entirely flexible and it's up to the people themselves to, to, um, to uh, decide how they wish to go about um, embarking on this process. Now, um, I mean, the whole point of the thing is is uh, self determination. It allows people mm. to, who are in conflict to to consider how they might best advance their interests and to come to a collaborative um, arrangement, rather than to have it all put in the too hard basket and decided um, you know lengthy and expensive process by someone else's decision is then binding but um, you know there are always going to be those people who will be no 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 I'm not going to do it that's uh, right is there any enforcement mechanism to make sure that they're following that process um, well there is um, I mean there will always be some disputes that are not capable of resolution mm. by compromise for whatever reason you know I mean people become entrenched in in uh, their views about things and sometimes even with assistance from professionals they're not able to um, overcome these things and, and and the courts will always be there to redress those uh, problems but mm. but for people who um, ignore the mandates of this new legislation um, the courts uh, have already shown that they're going to be fairly strict about sanctions imposed on such people in terms of adverse cost orders and things like that. Okay. So the risk is that if you go to a court um, when, uh, without having firstly attempted to um, oh. resolve your dispute, um, the court's going to want to know why, and um, if you're not able to give a very um, convincing answer to that question, then you might find yourself saddled with costs even if you win the case. Mm. Mm. So, um, you know, I think that's the, the, the future. That's the, the future we're looking at. Now, this is a federal initiative. Is what about state law? Um, well, interestingly, the the, uh, the state government introduced um, some provisions in identical terms in the Civil Procedure Act uh, about eighteen months ago, and um, they suspended the introduction of that legislation just to see how things went on the federal level. Okay. And um, but what happened is, in the meantime, it became clear that the 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 outcome of those initiatives is going to be a much longer term process than um, 18 months and so uh, by some legislation that took effect actually in February this year um, the earlier legislation, state legislation has been repealed mm-hmm. so they're going to sit back I think in the state and just wait and see what happens in the federal yeah. sphere and if, if that, if that uh, works then I, I can predict that we will have further similar legislation in New South Wales. Right. All right. Well, thanks very much for your time again, John. And That's all right. We'll have a chat again another time. Thank you, Julian. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. John Woodward there from Turnbull Hill Lawyers.
helping us to see that, uh, yes, we've got this act there that is trying to get us to keep away from the courts, resolve our differences in other simpler ways. You're listening to Business, the Law and You on 2NURFM 103.7. It's 24 minutes past one. Time to pop over to AV Chartered Accountants and have a chat with Tony Vidray. Good afternoon, Tony. Hi, Gillian. How are you? I'm very well. We've got, a mess- got to get a message across today, have we? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Try and get a. We'll get a message across today that uh, doing doing the wrong thing and criminal activities never pays. So we're going to talk about is all taxable, all income taxable? Yeah, it's a it's a it's an interesting topic. After a, uh, a story that I saw um, on the online actually a couple of days ago, that the tax man is actually going after the rebels, uh, bikey gang members. So as if they didn't have enough problems with, uh, the apart, from, apart from shooting each other and, and the uh, and the police, um, the uh, the the tax man's now actually going after them. And there's some interesting rules around income, um, especially from illegal activities. Someone from the tax office many years ago made the the very interesting um, observation that the Tax Act taxes income. It does not make a distinction between income that you earn legally. Mm. and income that you earn illegally. So they said, well, um, all of these proceeds from crime, all of these drug dealers, we're actually going to go after them and start taxing their income, which seemed like a good idea at the time, um, except for a quirky case that occurred a couple of years ago where one of the criminals decided to take the tax office on and said, well, if I've got to pay tax on my income, I want to actually get a deduction for the, the money that I spend in actually earning that illegal income. So I think it made the uh, the papers, I think it was on the, the current affairs programs, where he won the case because the judge was quite cynical and he said to the tax office, well, you know, you guys want to go after taxing all types of income, legal and illegal, you have to allow deductions <laughs> earned in, in obtaining income, whether it's legal or illegal. And so this guy managed to get a tax deduction for guns and bullets. and <laughs> Petrol for the getaway car. <laughs> Petrol for the getaway car, masks, <laughs> all, all this sort of stuff, which was just hilarious to read. Mm. But mm. it did have a serious a serious undertone, and um, I, in fact, I think it was Peter Costello, this is how far back it goes now, it is a few years ago, he said, well, that, that's not the outcome that we wanted. Um, in, the, in, the, in the interest of, you know, public, in the public interest, um, we will amend the law. And so a couple of years later, um, sure enough, the, the government passed amendments. I think it may have actually been the Labor government, it could have been one of the last things the Liberal government did back in 2007, but... Um, um, or one of the first things that the Labor government did when they came in, but they did amend the law to say that they will no longer allow tax deductions for illegal activity. So that's that's highly unfair. But they've still got to pay tax on their, on <laughs> so their income. Be, yeah, can you imagine that? They'll pay tax. Can you imagine a, a normal person with turnover and expenses and they say, no, no, we're going to tax you just on your income, just on now, your turnover and not, <laughs> not allow what, what any, if any it, deductions. What happens if it's a hobby business? Well, hobbies are, fall into a category these days where there are <clears throat> there are non-commercial losses rules that kick in. So, and, mm. and colloquially, and I hope we don't offend anyone here, but colloquially they're called the Amway rules because what used to happen was that you had a lot of people on the ground selling Amway and they they declare low amounts of income relative to you know, other businesses that, that had higher income. So typically they'd have a couple of thousand dollars worth of income, but then they would claim twenty, thirty thousand dollars worth of expenses in driving around. So there are there are non commercial loss rules these days. We have to jump through a few hoops and the first one is you have to turn over more than twenty thousand dollars. So okay. if it is a hobby 
um, you know, that, that, that seems to be the psychological barrier. So if it's not 20,000, there are a couple of other rules that are pretty, you know, again, they're, they're fairly, they set the bar reasonably high um, to, uh, to, to claim um, deductions for, for these, uh, the, the, uh, the hobby activities. So if you rob a bank and you only get away with 19,000, you're okay? Yep. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That's it. You don't have to pay tax on it. That's it. Put it down as a hobby. And I, 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 you know, everyone knows that trivia question about how how Al Capone ended up going to jail. It wasn't yeah. through all of his illegal activities. It was didn't pay for taxes tax, for tax evasion. Yeah. So the tax man will get you uh, one way or another. That's it. I'm very interested to see what happens at the end of this ICAC inquiry yeah. that's happening right now with yeah. the whole Doyle's Creek yes. land. Uh, I have a feeling the tax office are waiting in the wings, waiting to pounce. Just waiting to have a look inside those uh, family trusts of, uh, of Eddie Obed. You can you can bet your house on it. They'll go in and have a look and see whether there's been any uh, any uh, interesting activity going on there. Great. Well, we'll have a chat with you next week about tax file applications. That's it. This week has been brought to you by the Underbelly Series. <laughs> Thank you. Bye-bye. See you, Julian. <laughs> Tony Vidray there from AV Chartered Accountants. A little bit of fun there, but, yeah, serious. That's uh, illegal activities are taxed. And what do you do on Saturday morning? Saturday breakfast with Pete Davis. It's up and about with Saturday papers and the best way to start your day with easy listening favourites and morning cheer with Pete Davis from six from 5.30am to 9pm. Well, now it's time for our Minute on Innovation and Christina Sikiatis. Good afternoon, Christina. Hi, Julian. How are you? I'm very well. We're going to talk about collaboration and teamwork. We are, because we all know that collaboration and teamwork is absolutely essential if you're going to have a, a, the right innovative environment at work. And I've actually been reading a wonderful book called Ubuntu, um, which is a, a it's inspiring, wonderful story about teamwork and collaboration. And it comes from an African tradition, um, and we know how important how important that whole teamwork is in innovation. So the book's co-authored by Stephen Lund- London, London, who's well known for his fish work. Remember the the yep. fish teamwork um, product, yes. and it's written by Bob Nelson, who wrote A Thousand and One Ways to Reward Employees. The basic concept of Ubuntu is the feeling of humanity, kingship, community. It's not only in our personal lives, but also in our working lives. So they've transferred those those qualities into into a working life. There have been enough studies completed that prove beyond doubt that the more committed your employees are, the more help um, there is in the company and, and the more um, improved performance in that organisational company. Mm. There was actually a study from a couple of years ago that showed that companies with high employee satisfaction scores had a 700% higher shareholder return. Now, I'm sure that's been affected with the rise and fall um, in the stock market lately, but, but it was it, it said a big thing at, at the time, and it was 700% higher. So the spirit of Ubuntu is the emphasis on the people and acknowledging those people. Um, it's even just saying a simple thank you, which some people um, aren't used to getting at work. We've mm-hmm. all got roles, whether you're a manager, an employee, a CEO, the receptionist, the advertising, the marketing, whatever it is, but the theory behind it is that each individual makes up that company and they're recognised for their strengths, not their weaknesses. And the company will use their strengths as opposed to to, um, to punish people for their weaknesses. The success of the group is above the success of the individual. And there's a wonderful quote in the book that says, while Ubuntu is a part of the fabric of Africa, it comes alive one individual at a time. So the, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't matter um, what part that you've got on a, on a, in, in an organisation, your role is just as important as someone else's and its value just as important as someone else's. And 
this, it also doesn't uh, it doesn't go with the idea that if somebody's doing a bad job that you just let it go because that bad job affects the whole community. So it needs to be addressed straight away. Um, and it starts from the leadership down. So what they say is engage your staff, know your staff, and get the best out of your staff. And that way you'll get the best teamwork, the best collaboration, and the best innovation possibilities that you can. And as you say, nothing new. This has been around for many years, but we still don't always do it, do we? We don't. We don't do it. I don't know why we don't do it. We keep reading about it and thinking it's a really good idea and then we go into practice and sometimes some organisations do it brilliantly, you know, and and some don't, unfortunately. But, yeah, it's been there for a long time. Okay. Well, thank you for your time. Have a good week and we'll chat with you again next week. You too, Julian. Look forward to it. Bye-bye. Bye. Christina Sikiatis there with, yes, the importance of teamwork and particularly to innovation. Well, thank you for being with me for the last half hour. I hope you enjoyed the program. We've looked at some of that federal litigation initiatives where we need to stop going to court and try and resolve our differences beforehand. And uh, that taxable income there, a little bit of fun. In a moment, Jane Klein will be back with you with more of your easy listening favourites. Next week, we'll enter the world of tax again and look at tax file applications with Tony Vidray from AV Chartered Accountants. Have that minute on innovation and other little tips to motivate you and improve your business. I'd love your company at the same time for business, the law and you. Until then, have a safe and prosperous week and as C.S. Lewis once said, you are never too old to set another goal or to dream another dream.